Nate's move last week was swaying cup to cup. Where is it, Nate? Come on. Oh, uh, I just have water today, so here we go. We have the, the water. swaying water today. How does that help anybody wake up alive? <laughs> That's ridiculous. So when you've already had a cup or two of coffee, you switch to water. So I won't tell you how many cups of coffee I've had this morning. <laughs> it's not healthy. I, I, I know it's several. <laughs> I, I know. It's, it's, it's half okay, calf. Lord. Yeah, it's half cap. It's kind of like when you justify eating all the uh, mini donuts or the mini muffins, right? Like you can eat 12 because they might equal one big muffin. That's right. right. They're they're small. It's okay. <laughs> That's right. So I justify drinking all this coffee, my half calf. Oh my gracious. Um, funny story though. Uh, I got a new coffee pot, right? Well, yesterday yes. morning, the new coffee pot failed me as well. I actually pulled out the carafe. That's what it's called, right? The carafe to pour myself some coffee in the middle of the coffee brewing. And every coffee pot is supposed to have this mechanism where at least if it's a decent coffee pot, and this one was a decent coffee pot, it should have stopped pouring coffee out, right? Oh, it didn't. There is literally coffee just pouring onto my (laughs) counter, like all over the sink and everything. And Peter heard me across the house going, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out what to do with this. And I'm like, okay, okay, unplug it. Okay, move it to- towards the sink, right? It was a scene. It looked like a coffee crime scene. <laughs> it was such a hot mess. So anyways, the coffee saga continues. Not, It's wow. not just that I had a coffee pot that just died and I thought, hey, I replaced him Hilarious. well and everything. Said, this one's going back to the store too because it was bad. So, so why didn't you just stick a cup underneath the brewing coffee so that you didn't have coffee going everywhere. Nate, I have blonde moments. Like, let's just be honest. Okay. At that moment when, when you have hot coffee pouring all over your counter, logic for just a second goes out the window. I just like my brain wanted to go, how do I move this entire mess off my counter? Right. So I should have done that, but it, it just was, it's like I froze for a second, like processing what was happening in front of me. So anyway, so or the, you know, the other thing you could do is you could refrain from trying to move the craft out while it's brewing. That's just another solution. Yeah. But who wants to do that? Then you have to wait until it's done. So anyways, when you want coffee, you want coffee and it's this mechanism should work. So Anyways, more than everybody ever wanted to know. That's my my latest coffee saga. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Wake Up to Life with Lauren and Nate, your favorite pro-life morning show. Once again, I'm Lauren Muzica, President and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And I'm Nate Robertson, Vice President of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And it really is a joy and a privilege for us to join with you today and each and every Friday as we talk about what's going on in the pro-life world how we can continue to work to change hearts and minds on this preeminent issue of our times, the cause of life. That's right. Prayer, news, stories, a special interview, tips, more prayer. It's all right here, folks. So excited about our special interview today. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. You'll just have to wait and see who it's going to be. But this is an individual who has uh, run the race with the pro-life movement for a long time, and especially lately has been an incredible point of encouragement for so many of us, especially as we have sustained this loss in Ohio, where the vote on abortion did not go the way that we wanted in the pro-life movement. And there's just some big questions that the m- movement is asking about how to get this life-affirming message, you know, the the beauty of, of, of life, this this 
precious intrinsic message out to the masses. And so I'm just so grateful for his leadership. We've invited him on the show to, to share more of his wisdom today. So you'll be hearing from him very shortly. All right. How about we dive into it, Nate? You ready to lead us in a word of prayer? Yeah, sounds good. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you again for allowing us to join together this morning. God, we thank you for all that you are doing across the pro-life, pro-love movement. We thank you for the victories that we continue to see in hearts and minds across the nation, even when sometimes we feel like there is so much pressure um, around us that is not leading us in the direction of life. God, we pray that you would continue to bless all of those who are actively working in the pro-life, pro-love, pro, pro-life and pro-love movement to help women and men and families in need. God, we pray that you give them strength and give them guidance and wisdom. God, we pray for those today who are even considering a decision about their pregnancy, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would show them a sign, and that they would see that that the obstacles in front of them are not obstacles that are so great that they should end their pregnancy. God, we pray that you'd continue to bless us and guide us and give us wisdom as we continue to move forward into how do we continue to move the movement um, forward in, in the midst of obstacles that we see around us. God, we pray that you'd bless us today and bless us throughout this weekend. And we're just continue to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Nate. Okay, here is our headline this week. Uh, You'll very quickly, if you haven't already, see a theme developing with this show. Again, we're continuing to kind of unpack what happened in Ohio. So coming off the disappointing vote in Ohio last week that actually legalized abortion until the point of birth. Again, a lot of people didn't know what they were voting for. Pro-life groups are developing new strategies to win future elections. So following the loss in Ohio, pro-life advocates are looking for ways to adapt as the movement looks ahead to 2024. An activist who spoke with the Daily Caller News Foundation said they are focusing on messaging, closing funding gaps, and communicating better with voters. So yes, we've suffered losses in the seven ballot elections since the historic win at the Supreme Court, right, with the Dobbs decision in 2022. Most recently, after Ohio voters enshrined abortion rights into their state constitution Tuesday by nearly 60%, according to to ABC News. Pro-life leaders who spoke to the DCNF said that the movement is adapting, focusing on funding, and uniting messaging for the upcoming battle, battle initiatives in other states during the 2024 election. Ohioans, Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights reportedly raised, I want everybody to hear this, this is interesting, they raised nearly $40 million for the year with one of the larger donations coming from the Open Society Policy Center, George Soros's funding fundraising network at $3.5 million, while Protect Women Ohio, a pro-life group, raised only $27 million. As a result, pro-abortion advocates have indicated that they plan on taking the strategy, quote-unquote, to the next level in the upcoming elections in Arizona, Nevada, Florida, South Dakota, and Nebraska. There were a couple of advocates, pro-life advocates, people, colleagues of ours that work in the policy world that pointed out that part of the reason fundraising was not successful was because the messaging for the pro-life side at times felt unclear and confusing to voters. In fact, Logan Church, political director for Catholic Vote, told the DCNF that pro-lifers did not have a lot of time to prepare a unified and powerful message. He said the movement is already working to correct this by setting up the infrastructure teams needed to test messaging, figuring out, again, what gets the life message effectively across to people who, you know, we believe for the most part are people of common sense. Um, So we've got to figure out how we meet the needs, concerns of the different demographics of 
demographics of voters, especially since young college age voters did not resonate with the quote unquote parental rights argument used in Ohio, right? So now here's the interesting thing. Pro-lifers have always been the underdogs, as one policymaker said, but the lack of conviction on the issue from the elected officials and strategists hurt both the party and the movement. Again, we need our leaders to stand up and speak out about this. All of the leaders disagreed with the sentiment that life has become a losing issue for Republicans. And one policymaker pointed to the successful campaigns of Senator J.D. Vance, Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio, Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa, Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, and others as proof that the success of the movement uh, since the Dobbs decision, again, has in part been around the life issue. Um, we know the movement has had to deal with instances of trial and error before overturning Roe. Um, Christy Hamrick, who works for Students for Life of America, told the DCNF that the entire history of the pro-life movement has demonstrated its, its success and that, quote, after 50 years of fighting to get rid of Roe, we're not discouraged by the fact that the fight is not completed yet one year after that happened. So again, it's kind of a little bit of a check-in here. Where are we at this point in history? Why are these ballot initiatives you know, not, why are we not getting the ball across the goal line here, right? And so it is a really good time to kind of regroup and ask ourselves, what is going on? How can we better get this life-affirming message out to the masses? How can we motivate people to get to the polls? I know one thing we talked about last week was how terribly outspent the pro-life side was. Um, we had also a ballot initiative that had to do with marijuana, which kind of attracted another type of voter to get out to the polls and vote even on this life issue. There were just so many lessons that came out of Ohio. And I know that we're going to continue to kind of unpack this and ask some hard questions, especially as these other ballot initiatives are you know, going up in, in other states. So Nate, your thoughts as we just continue to think over this, I know our special guest is going to unpack more of this here with us shortly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's really important that we acknowledge where we are, right. We look at kind of what happened and we begin to analyze a little bit of, you know, the strategy and what does the strategy need to be going forward. Right. I think that we do have to continue to acknowledge that many voters are just very, um, not this, I'm not meaning this to sound negative, but voters are just ignorant. Yeah. A lot of times voters just do not do their research. They don't understand what is on the ballot and they might not even review the ballot until they're walking in to vote or, you know, a few days before. And they, there may be a lot of confusion. I think that yeah. we have to do a better job um, across our country on various issues, but especially on the life issue of making sure that people are very well informed and that they can be informed voters. I do think that there's a lot of confusion in the ballot initiative in Ohio. I don't think that the message was united early enough. And I think that that was one of the things that was mentioned in what you just went through, Lauren, was that um, some were saying that there wasn't enough time for a unified message. And I, I'm not sure if it's that the length of time was not long enough, but it didn't seem like there was a unified message quick enough to make sure that the Ohio voters were getting that information. And one last thing I'd say is, just consider where do each of us get our information when it's time to mm -hmm. vote? Are we very informed when it comes to voting? And where are we going to search out that information? And how do we, even those who are well-informed, how do we best receive information? Do we best receive it because it's coming in the mail, because it's somebody coming door to door, because it's a text message, because it's a phone call? What are ways that, that, that uh, motivate us, even those who are informed, and we need to figure out what are ways that motivate voters who, you know, tend to be less 
motivated to get to the polls or to really understand an issue. And it did also sound like the the message of protecting parental rights didn't seem to work. And so I think that that's also something that really needs to be analyzed. If that message really was not resonating with voters, what are the messages that need to be used to resonate with voters? You know, we've heard from Leadership Institute that very much the messages that move people are messages about the people that they can touch and feel and see. And so what do we need to do to motivate that um, that feeling of, you know, moving and voting based on the people that are around them? How do we maybe highlight more the harm that abortion causes? Maybe that's something that we need to look at in the future of how are we highlighting the harm that abortion is to women directly? And in, in really helping voters to understand the issue that's ahead of them. There are many of these statewide ballot initiatives in the pipeline, and we yeah. need to figure out how we are going to do that. I mean, Florida is, you know, very potentially going to be facing one here next year. Um, mm -hmm. That unfortunately is, again, very concerning. So yeah. we, we need to keep praying. We need to keep strategizing. We need to be keep working together and we need to really look at the data and let the data of these seven statewide initiatives help us to see what the message must be moving forward. Yeah, no, all so well said. And, you know, Nate, you were talking about the parental rights message, and I know that that didn't hit college age voters. It didn't hit young voters, right? Probably worked on some parents. I know parental rights are important sure. and, uh, you know, we've, we've seen Absolutely. the school board stuff blow up in Virginia and beyond, right? right? But- what works for one demographic doesn't work for another. How do we develop this cohesive message that, you know, maybe a universal message, but also ensure that we are communicating well to these different groups of voters about what's on the line? I'll just say bottom line, people did not know. They did not know that this language allows abortion until the point of birth. And had they known that, it probably would have horrified most people. Um, I mean, like we brought up on the show last week, there was a Christian doctor that we know of that believes in a simple life of the mother exception. Again, we know that there's never a reason to go in and directly take the life of a child to preserve the life of a mother. But this doctor who doesn't deliver babies is another type of doctor, right? Went ahead and voted for uh, the, the enshrinement of abortion rights until the point of delivery didn't even realize that it did that right. Because she wanted the life of the mother to be preserved. And we're like, no, that's all. It's always been a part of medicine. We can do an early delivery to save the life of a mother, even if inadvertently the unintended side effect is that that child doesn't survive the delivery process. And so again, people don't understand. They often don't understand. And we need to figure out how to help them to get to where we are in our, our greater understanding of what an abortion is, what it's not, and what is really before us. So, all right. Well, thank you, Nate. Great discussion this morning. Well, I'm going to go right into our victory story. We want to get to our special guest here in just a bit. So we're going to keep the show moving along. Um, this is just a real simple story, and it has a really beautiful, simple lesson with it. Last Friday, when Nate was out on the sidewalk with our team in Redding, California, you may have heard from last week's show. I mean, this is absolutely miraculous. But the morning that they were out there, they turned away, get this, they turned away 80% of the business at that Planned Parenthood. 
there were five clients who were going in, three were going in for a pregnancy test, prospectively pregnant, right? They uh, very likely had a home pregnancy test that turned positive. Those three women were redirected to the nearby life-affirming pregnancy resource center. Absolutely miraculous. And there was a young man who was going in for STD, STI testing. And instead, he was empowered to take his business elsewhere and go to the local community health department. I mean, <laughs> when, when you hear Nate talk about how simple it was to reach out to this man and give him information and talk about the discounted help nearby and, hey, you're not giving your money to the abortion industry. Folks, again, you can do this and you know not feel like you've won an Academy Award that day with anything amazing that you said, right? It's just very simple words, very simple support, very simple lists of resources, and just talking to people, just serving them, serving the person who's in front of you. They have a need. Why are they there? Can we fill it? Can we empower them to take their business elsewhere if it's not a morally problematic service? Um, but the other thing that happened that morning that was a little bit quieter in the background as Nate was sharing this miraculous morning they had on the sidewalk was that our regional programs manager, Elizabeth, was also out on the sidewalk in Asheville, North Carolina, and she helped a young woman get on the mobile unit after this woman had already gone in to inquire about abortion at her local Planned Parenthood. And I think what's so beautiful is that, yes, she didn't have a morning where 80% of the business was turned away like Nate had in Redding, California. But she did see a victory in this woman being receptive to her help. And the lesson here is that even if people go in, don't give up on them and reinvite them to avail themselves of the services of the mobile unit on site or the pregnancy center nearby, right? Keep reoffering, keep inviting. And this woman, after she went in, finally took Elizabeth up on her offer of help and plans to do a follow up now. Uh, after that invitation. And so glory to God, just a real simple victory. You know, Elizabeth being there, Elizabeth being faithful. She didn't have, you know, all of these turnarounds in front of her face, but she got that one. And I just am so thankful for our teams who persevere day after day, uh, keeping vigil for that next victory. You never know when it's going to come. So my message to you this morning is don't give up. Your next victory very well may be around the corner. So thanks to you all who go to the sidewalk regularly during the week. Appreciate you. Great. Yeah. So great. So great. Thanks, Lauren. Yeah. And I'm going to give us a very simple tip today. My tip today is smile. You know, it's so important to remember that we should be a friendly face, whether it is that you're on the sidewalk or whether it's that you're walking through the grocery store or picking up your kids from school, just in our culture in general, Many times people don't seem very happy, right? There's not a lot of smiles around at times. And I know some of you, it may not be as natural as it is for me to just always have a smile, but I want to encourage you to smile, to show people the light of love that just comes from Jesus through your face, through your expressions, through your smile, especially when you're on the sidewalk. You know, Lauren was just talking about me being in Redding, California last week, and it was just such an amazing opportunity to be right there with our team, do some advanced training, but to just show people that light of love that just we, we just try to display by just smiling, by waving, by having a gift to give them, by showing them that no matter what it is that we may disagree about or maybe whatever the struggle is they're having that morning, that we want them to know 
that there is a reason to smile, that we are showing them, you know, just that, just that light that we can be to those around us. So I just want to encourage you, especially if you're on the sidewalk this morning, this weekend, um, or into next week, that you remember that as much as you can, that though the sidewalk is a heavy place, though it is a place where we know that it is a valley of decision and that we know that death is happening on the other side of those walls, that we have an opportunity to smile and to show people that they are loved, that they are special, that they are cared for, and that we have hope and help readily available for them. So today, remember to smile. Love it. So important. And I know it's so counterintuitive. Who wants to smile at an abortion facility? Right. But our um, our circumstances don't dictate our joy and That's right. how we're anchored in Christ. And we need to give people uh, what they wish that they had, which is peace and joy. So what a great witness. Thank you so much, Nate. Okay, it is time for our special guest. And this man is no less deserving of a drum roll. So producer, can we have a drum roll? There it is. All right, we are welcoming to the show today, Eric Scheidler, the executive director of Pro-Life Action League. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. So you were on like this big TV show broadcast last night, and then, man, you just... You're popping on to uh, America's pro-life morning show, you know, maybe with a little bit less viewership. But anyways, we are so excited to have you. So blessed to have you. Um, Eric, I want to get right into it. We had a big vote in Ohio last week that went the opposite, <laughs> to say the least, of what we wanted. And I have to say, in response, you guys at the league sent out one of the best emails I literally I have ever read in my life, encouraging the troops in the midst of this loss. So I want to go ahead and start with real quick who you are, who the league is for those still getting to know you. But can you share some highlights of what you wanted people to understand after the Ohio loss? Yeah, well, you know, I'm uh, the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League. I came to work for this organization in um, 2000, right around this time, 2002, just around my 21st anniversary here uh, as communications director. And um, after a few years, I, um, I cut my teeth on this big, huge controversy over Planned Parenthood constructing a massive abortion mega center in Aurora, Illinois, which is where I live. Um, kind of under cover of darkness. They lied to the city council about who they were. They deceived the people. And it became a huge controversy with, you know, citizens speaking out at city council meetings and even uh, became a national, even international story. I remember doing an interview with a Swedish newspaper along the way during the wow. course of that controversy. We ended up keeping the place shut down for a few weeks. They finally did open and we now have uh, an ongoing sidewalk counseling um, outreach there that... Wow. Uh, you know, I'd like to ask everybody to pray for, please, um, all mm. the listeners. If you could say a prayer for the Aurora, Illinois Sidewalk Counseling uh, community. We are in a real tough situation right now with um, some of the you know, abolitionists that people may be familiar with who come out and have very mm. aggressive tactics, um, tactics that are very condemnatory. They've gotten into a big conflict with the pregnancy center that's right across the street from Planned Parenthood, um, wow. seeing their business disrupted. And it's been a really tough couple of months that we've had here. So I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but we need some special prayers there. Yeah. So the Pro-Life Action League focuses on direct, excuse me, direct action. We recruit, mm. acquaint, uh, equip, train people to, to do 
um, everything from sidewalk counseling to um, protests. We organize nationwide simultaneous protests a couple times a year and, and other activities. Um, hashtag protest PP was one of the uh, more kind of high profile ventures we've done in recent years with our friends at Created Equal and Citizens for Polite Society, um, where we push mm -hmm. back against Planned Parenthood for for their many misdeeds, um, including the um, harvesting and selling of body parts of their unborn victims. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're primarily activist organization. We do a lot of media in, in, interviews, um, like I did last night on the issue of euthanasia, which is a, an area I'm not that focused on, but it was a great opportunity. Um, and uh, we also do a lot of public education. So that's, that's who I am and what the Pro-Life Action League is all about. And you can find us at prolifeaction.org. Awesome. Thank you for all the great work that that you continue to do. Um, what do you, when you sent out this email last week, I, I just, I literally had a moment where I had tears in my eyes reading it. It was so beautiful. It was so encouraging to so many of us. I even had another gal on, on our team, <laughs> Brooke, our development director came to me and said, this is a phenomenal email. And I said, I know I already put it on social media. Um, can you give us some highlights from the message that you sent sure. out? What do you want people to know after this loss in Ohio? First of all, I want to thank you for the feedback because I, we weren't really sure whether to send a message. Everyone was sending mm -hmm. messages and, and a lot of them were kind of on the same way, like we'll live to fight another day and all that kind of thing. Um, but I just, I, I very honestly, you know, had been thinking a lot about what was going on in Ohio and around the country and in different, you know, because I think a lot about Illinois where we've, we've, lost the battle ages ago here. I mean, it is as grim as it could be They're They've got a bubble zone ordinance in the city of mm. Chicago that they're now adding silent zones to, I mean, they can't, they can't stop thinking of ways to interrupt what we're trying to do just to help moms. Most of whom don't even want the abortions. They're there for that day. Wow. You know, if only someone were there to offer them some help and they're trying to stop us from even doing that. So, um, you know, I, I've been thinking, though, about, you know, how hard it is here and how hard it must be in, in Ohio to lose a, an election like that. And I was just, you know, reminded of one of the wise things that my attorney, uh, Tom Brecken, I know you guys know Tom, he's a great pro-life attorney. Um, his law firm, the Thomas More Society, was founded in order to mount my father's appeal to his district court loss in a major um, lawsuit against pro-life activists that was using racketeering laws. Laws wow. designed to go after criminal conspirists um, to uh, try to to scuttle pro-life activism, stop pro-life activists from doing what they need to do. Um, well, Tom and I had had, been, had a lawsuit um, in which I was uh, – it's kind of a long story, and it relates to the Planned Parenthood here in Aurora. They had defamed us in um, full-page ads in the local newspapers and letters to the mayor and city council saying the Pro-Life Action League has a well-documented history of violence. That's a horrible lie. Wow. You know, we are distinctly peaceful. Uh, my father wrote a whole chapter in his first book in 1986, closed 99 ways to stop abortion about exactly why violence is such a horrible idea for people yeah. who are seeking to end violence against unborn children in the womb. So we sued them and then they used a obscure Illinois law to, um, uh, to basically kind of flip the script and we, we were on the hook. I was personally on the hook for a half a million dollars in legal fees after we got this horrible, horrible ruling. And, you know, it was a frightening moment, but you know, Tom said to me, you know, Eric, you gotta be able to take a punch. We're fighters. And this is a long fight. Lawsuits are long, grueling battles. And there's going to be a lot of punches along the way. You're going to throw some punches. You're going to take some punches. And that was a, that was a gut punch. 
uh, finding out that uh, I might be on the hook for half a million dollars. Um, I remember, you know, one time uh, I was cantering at my church thinking about what that could mean for my family. And I was trying to sing to God and I'm getting all worried about the future. Well, we finally did win that case um, because Mm -hmm. because we had the resilience to keep on going. Um, my dad's lawsuit uh, that I alluded to now versus Scheidler national organization of win versus Scheidler. That lawsuit went on for over 20 years. Wow. Uh, this is a long haul movement. That doesn't mean it'll be easy. It doesn't mean we have the answers. I think we don't. I think we're, we're really we almost need to reset the entire movement in a certain sense. Uh, after all that's, that's gone down. Um, yeah. And we can talk a little bit about some of the bad habits we have and some of the ways that we don't even realize that we are telegraphing kind of uh, unbelievability and, and a lack of credibility uh, to the American culture around mm. us. Mm. Um, but anyway, Tom, Tom said that to me, and I just wanted to share that with people. You know, um, you got to be able to take a punch. And and when, when you can take a punch and stay standing, um, you may find that uh, the, the defeat that you suffered actually ends up somehow figuring into the victory that you finally win. That really bad ruling against us um, helped helped us to make our case more emphatically. You know, mm. we could they had they had pushed the, the the logic of this particular theory of the law so so far that it was that it finally fell apart. The Supreme Court of Illinois ruling came along that allowed us to to dismantle that, and and we ended up settling that case. Um, so I just wow. want to share that with people because I, I really believe that, you know, um, we don't know what to do in the next state to come, Missouri or, or wherever it might be, Florida. I wouldn't be surprised if we lose every single one of these initiatives. Um, mm. I don't want us to settle for that. I don't want us to feel complacent. Like, oh, well, we can't win. Let's, let's not even try. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah. we have to stay in the battle and keep our message out there. Um, you know, even losing by 12 points, I think it was in Ohio, 11, 12 points, um, Compare that to Europe. I mean, that 45% or 44% whatever people were willing to vote for life. It's not 50% and we didn't win, but that's a very, very large minority. I think we lost the plot in America on the Mm. importance of minorities. I mean, look at how many young people are foolishly, I would just go ahead and say stupidly critical of the uh, electoral college. Our founders were geniuses because they studied this stuff. They knew that if you have a large disgruntled minority, your civil society will fall apart. You can't have 45, 46, 49% of the people deeply upset about a policy or the general direction of a government without unrest and probably rebellion of some kind, right? So they built a system in which under just the right circumstances, minorities have some amount of, of, of power. Minorities can actually rule a branch or more or, or two of government if things line up just right. So we see that in the Supreme Court right now. We have um, a very conservative Supreme Court, even though the country is not very conservative because things lined up that way in past elections. They saw that long view. Let's try to keep as many Americans happy as we can. Now we have Ohio, very large minority, unhappy with that with that court decision. I'm sorry, with that, with that, it wasn't even a court decision. Sadly, it's the people, the decision of the people. Um, and that 45%, 44% can fight again. They can continue yeah. to advance the cause. It may take time. I mean, she, it certainly will. Um, when people see how they've been lied to, when they discover that this isn't just a simple, um, 
measure to keep abortion legal in those extreme circumstances most people are thinking about, but in fact, a very, very broad measure um, that deprives parents of, of uh, you know, knowledge about their minor daughters and allows the trafficking of, of minors and all of this. Um, you know, maybe then they'll, you know, they'll be able to convince their fellow Ohioans, this was a really bad policy, let's roll it back. That's going to be difficult. But we'll be there to try. We'll be there to fight. We'll be there to do it. Yeah, yeah beautiful. No, absolutely. I think it's just so important, you know, just so well said, Eric. You know, as you have so well said, you know, your family have, has really had the luxury of the long view, right? I mean, many, many years. I mean, that's wild. Over 20 years for that case that your dad fought. You know, what makes you optimistic? And I think maybe you've shared a little bit about that. But make, what what else would you say that makes you optimistic about the future of the pro-life movement? And where do you think that we we need to go? Like, where do we go from here? Well, um, I don't know that I really am optimistic. I'd say I'm realistic. I mean, I know that the pro-life movement will be here. Uh, I'm not just hopeful of it. I mean, I've seen it for, for 50 years. This movement is not going to go away. Um, I guess the question before us, and it's almost like a fork in the road. Will we become a smaller and smaller minority that is kind of uh, – patting itself on the back and speak preaching to the choir will we have some very very self-satisfied choir members a very tiny number of extremely resilient choir members who are all hearing what they want to hear and patting each other on the back or will we actually engage with this culture will we actually speak the language of this culture um and look for new ways to um to share the message of 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 the pro-life movement and i think one of the things we learned from ohio and i uh, and I, I could be wrong about this. Nobody really has a crystal ball or knows. But my friend Mark Harrington from the group Created Equal, um, he he really thinks that um, we need to put the, the focus more squarely on the child. Mm. We sort of forget, you know, what you know the the uh, theme in Ohio and here in Illinois when we were we we're fighting against parental notice. You know, protect protect women, protect families, protect parental rights. You know, these kinds of of messages. Um, they aren't resonating. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why, but I suspect that if the, for a lot of parents, they'd like to know if their minor daughter gets an abortion. They would. Yeah. But if the choice is between their minor daughter never being able to get an abortion and their minor daughter getting an abortion but not telling them, they will choose getting an abortion and not telling them. Hmm. I don't know why, but I, that seems to be the case. People will sacrifice their parental rights if the other choice is their daughter uh, can never get an abortion at 14 if she was, you know, raped by her basketball coach or something. Um, th if that's the choice in front of them, and many of them thought it was, um, then they will choose abortion. Uh, they were not looking. I don't believe Ohio voters were looking at this the way we were. They were not seeing, uh, oh, my God, Ohio's about to pass an extreme abortion measure. What they were hearing was Ohio is going to restore sanity to the laws of our state. Wow. And they're not completely wrong. Yeah. Um, we and, and Laura, I, 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 you know, I'm going to have to go on a limb here and, and be a little critical. I, I really think we have to stop talking about about abortion till birth, for example. Mm. Nobody ever, ever, ever commits an abortion during a delivery. That never happens. Mm. So every time we say it. We're telling people we're detached from reality. We're making things up. We're, hyper, we're hyperbolic. We're exaggerating everything. You cannot trust us because we'll say any kind of crazy thing. We'll claim mm -hmm. that people seek abortions when they go into labor. Nobody's ever done that. No doctor would ever commit such an abortion. Mm 
I remember watching the movie um, After Tiller about late-term abortionists. You know, Tiller was killed, and there was this movie After Tiller about all that. And there was a scene in which um, an abortionist in, uh, in New Mexico gets a call from a woman in France who's 36 weeks, wants to come the next like week for an abortion, the next couple of days. And she refuses. I mean, mm. she refuses because the baby's too far along and she can't bring herself to do it. I mean, this mm. is a hardened late-term abortionist who mm. won't even commit this abortion. And yet we pro-lifers claim all the time about abortions. Still, I mean, even President Trump back in the day talked about that. It was an effective PR moment, but those individual like little sound bites that get people riled up in the moment, but then later they look back on and go, those guys are full of it. You know, mm. I think we have to stop talking that exaggerated language. Mm -hmm. um, in Ohio, mm -hmm. we needed to talk. And it's easy for me to say, I'm in Illinois where abortion is practically a, a state policy. I mean, state sacrament. Um, but, uh, you know, Mark Harrington believes that there was not enough emphasis on the child. There was an overemphasis on, you know, this parental rights thing and protecting women. They, they did a, some great material in that. I mean, they had a great ad about the ways that abortion has actually caused women to die and how the inspection regimes are going to um, evaporate. Um, like yeah. in Ohio, as they have in Illinois, where there's no more oversight of abortion facilities. Um, but, um, you know, I think that's one of the big takeaways for me is to re remember our, our basic message, which is that abortion takes an innocent human life unjustly and violently and therefore must uh, not be tolerated. We can't forget. I, you know, I remember uh, having dinner with your parents one night. This was probably about a year and a half before your dad passed away. And I asked them their advice as a pro-life leader, uh, what messaging that they would want to see continue to, to get out to the movement. And your mom, I think, I think it was your mom actually, who said that, you know, it, it's really good to acknowledge how abortion hurts the woman, but we also can't forget the bottom line message that this takes an innocent human life. You know, how do we continue to get that truth out to people and have it be received by people too, you know? And Eric, your point is well taken about the the, the late-term abortion idea. You know, you're right. Uh, is anybody really doing an abortion right before the point of delivery? Yeah. That's a that's a very fair question. Yeah. I wonder, I will get your thought on this, and I know we need to wrap up here in just a moment, but um, I wonder though if the idea that, the, I mean, so as an attorney, I look at the language that was on yeah. the ballot, right? And I say to myself, there's there's virtually no restrictions no, here. Yeah. And and that will allow a predata predatory abortion industry to come in and to do abortions later into pregnancy. And yeah. we do see that like in, you know, Colorado and New Mexico. And I mean, I, you know, mm -hmm. I stood on the sidewalk in Albuquerque and seen extremely pregnant women going in there for an elective abortion. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do we balance the reality of, of that? Because the other side is saying, Oh, this is a fallacy. Late term abortions don't happen in America. And when they do, it's when the child is really sick and he's not even going to yeah. survive long after, which is if you know prenatal diagnosis, you, you can't predict when, how long a baby's going to live. Right. right. So oh, right. what are your thoughts on that and balancing that understanding? Because this this language does allow abortion at any point in pregnancy. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think we can say that. I think we can say it allows abortion at any time in pregnancy. I like to yeah. say it allows abortion very late into pregnancy, even right. if the child is perfectly healthy and the mother is perfectly healthy, but just has changed her mind. 
Right. I mean, that kind of language is honest and true. It, it corresponds to it's technically yeah. true that abortion right. is legal up until the moment of birth. But people don't care about what's technically true. They care about like what's actually, what's actually happening. happening. <laughs> and what is actually yeah. happening is that there are over 10,000 abortions late in pregnancy. I know yep. they try to, they love to change their definitions. They were doing it on right. the physician assisted suicide show I was on last night. Well, if we change the name to medical assistance in dying, then it's not killing. Yeah, I don't, but, mm, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Well, I love it when they were doing the partial birth abortion trials and they're like, well, well, doctor, what do you actually do? Well, I just empty the cranial contents. Yeah, uh, we okay. partially abort the baby, but we won't call it What partial. does that mean? You, you suckers brain out. I mean, if, forgive me for being crass for a second. Like these esoteric terms that are used yeah. to shroud what is actually taking place in front of us, you know, like absolutely unbelievable. I'm sorry. Well, I, mean, I would recommend, as far as abortion yeah. later in pregnancy, this flyer, Understanding Abortion Later in Pregnancy from the Floyd yeah. Faction League, we just came out with this last year. And it kind of, it takes almost a neutral image at the top. You know, what are your feelings? What do you think? People dif think different things. Then you open it up and you find out, you know, the fact that 71% of Americans oppose these abortions, um, that um, in the vast majority of cases, yeah. these children are perfectly healthy. But we use the phrase abortion later in pregnancy because that's just an English mm -hmm. description as opposed to a term that people might dispute. Uh, we see. still talk about late-term abortion, but abortion later in pregnancy or abortion very late in pregnancy or abortion when the child could survive outside the womb, those yeah. are all, I think, more powerful ways to, yeah. to talk about that. It's a point that's well taken. How can we get more exact in our language also so the other side doesn't just dismiss what we're saying that's or saying right. those crazy pro-lifers now are saying this and this and this we know what we mean Do, does the general public understand what we mean and so that's a really we are so often talking to each yeah. other i mean that's what yeah. we do when we say abortion yeah. till delivery we're kind of talking to each other because we know okay technically this language says that and that's what they would you know be willing to know joe biden's never going to oppose abortion uh, on the last day of pregnancy yeah you know You're so right. we all know that but right that's again, again, where we're thinking more about one another in the movement and to, talking to yeah. each other rather than really breaking through and speaking to people on the other side or, you know, in the, the mushy yeah. middle. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Eric, this has been such a rich so conversation. Good. I'm so grateful yeah. for you and the work of the league. Um, so two kind of closing quick questions here. If your dad were here today, cause I know he's since gone on to glory, we're believing he's up there, um, just watching all of this play out, right? Well, he wants you to still pray for his soul, though, please. So, <laughs> yes, yes. He is that. such a dear man. And I, I think, um, gosh, I think about him often, Eric. I think about him often and just the foundation he laid. I know that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for him. If he were here today, what do you think he would say about this point in history? And then why don't you close with how people can find you all at Pro-Life Action League? Well, I think he would say what he always said, which was mm. he would say two things. He would say, do something pro-life every day. He really believed mm. in that. Um, you know, he, listening to a podcast like this, for example, mm. set your calendar for every Friday. Um, and he would also he would also remind us of St. Benedict's motto, Ora et Labora, uh, pray and work. So we pray, mm. we work, we work while we're praying, we pray while we're working. Um, we're always doing those two things, having our, our, our sights spiritually on, on God and on the children of his that we're, that we're trying to save. And, on the, that, that, and those children include the babies at the abortion clinic and the moms, too, who so, again, so often do not want those abortions. We, we want to help them. Um, and, um, wow. and 
and you know, and we and we pray for them. So we, yeah. we, keep, we keep both of those legs: the, the the prayer that inspires us, and then the action that gives form and meaning to those prayers and manifests those prayers in the in the real world. Yeah. So it's prolifeaction.org, right? Is right. the website. Prolifeaction.org. You can find us on Facebook at prolifeaction. Uh, we're on other social media. We'll be ramping up Instagram, I hope, in 2024. So um, we're out there and, and we'd love to connect and, and help put you to work in your uh, in your community. We can yeah. uh, help you with, uh, when, you know, with any kind of uh, activism. If you're looking for something to maybe supplement your sidewalk advocates activities, you know, there are other things you want to do along the way. We can help uh, branch out and, and find new creative ways to be effective. I know For we example, have a lot of by singing Christmas carols at abortion facilities, one of oh. our annual activities. You know, it's kind of a weird thing to do, but very powerful. If you visit us at Pro Life Action, you can find out about the peace in the womb Christmas caroling coming up next mm. month. There's a lot of babies that have been saved through that, just very yeah. quietly singing hymns at abortion facilities. And you hear that that was enough to stir someone's heart and turn them around. So, Silent Night so is great. a baby saving him. Yeah. So beautiful. Eric, thank you so much for this discussion. Really appreciate you. We're cheering you on. We're going to continue to send people your way. I know we at Sidewalk Advocates for Life, we get people who say, you know, how do I get Planned Parenthood out of my school? How do I, you know, prevent the opening of this new abortion facility that's getting ready to go up? So many things. And we're like, go to Pro-Life Action League, go to Pro-Life Action League, and they'll be there for you. So because we have a very narrow mission and focus ourselves. But um, thank you for the great teamwork. Thank you for all that you're doing and for your wisdom. Really appreciate you. Well, I'm glad to be Thanks, here. To Eric. Help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thanks. Have a good one, Eric. Thank you so much. God bless. Oh, so good. Great. Such a good discussion. Lots yeah. of, I, I feel like yeah. I'm going to need to chew on so many great things that Eric just said, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, great, great discussion. We've had a great show today. I want to leave you with a scripture verse and then I'll pray as we get ready to close out the show. Today, the scripture I have for you is Psalm 28, verse seven, which says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song, I praise him. You know, that we would just reflect on the reality that the Lord truly is our strength. He is our shield. He is the one that we can trust. And when we trust him, he is He is there to help us, to guide us, to lead us, and to help us with the joy that we need in the midst of a lot of times troubled times. So today, I just want to encourage you to take some time with Psalm 28, verse 7, maybe all of that Psalm 28, and read some extra ones if you have some time. Spend some time in meditation and prayer. You know, the the, the scripture also mentions about that my heart trusts in him and he helps me. That we would place our, our trust truly in, in the Lord, in Jesus, and that we would allow him to help us in whatever it is that's in front of us, whether it's related to being on the sidewalk, whether it's, you know, our everyday life of, of some other activity that we are in, in the midst of, maybe it's our family, maybe it's those around us, that we can trust him with everything and that he will help us. And with that, if you would pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to come before you again this morning. Thank you that we have the opportunity to trust you and to allow you to be our help, that you are our strength and our shield. May we place our trust in you. May we reach out to you and and ask you to be that shield that we need at many times in our life and that you would be our strength, that we would find our joy in you and that no matter the circumstances or situations we find ourselves in, 
we would trust you and we would know that ultimately you win and ultimately joy comes from you. God, I thank you for Eric Seidler and the Pro-Life Action League and all of the great things that they are doing. What an honor it was to have them on our show today. Pray you continue to bless them as they continue to do the work that you have called them to. God, I pray for all of those who are working and volunteering in pregnancy help organizations across the nation today and this weekend, that you would give them wisdom and guidance as they continue to be the resource that men and women need as they find themselves in unexpected pregnancies. God, I pray that you would continue to show us the victories, the great victories that you have shown us, and, the, and that you would continue to show us those victories to propel us forward as we continue to do your great work. We will continue to always give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great show. I hope this has been an encouragement to all of you today. I know it's been an encouragement to me. Things to think about. Got to recalibrate a little bit. But onward and upward, we know who has the final victory. And we're going to participate in that victory, believing that God is going to show us the way. So hang in there, everybody. Keep up the great work. And please join us next Friday for another episode of Wake Up to Life with Lauren and Nate, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central, Facebook Live, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. God bless. Bye-bye. See ya.